You can say it. Seller. I was going to say it, Fern. <laughs> I was going to say it. You were in the good surprise. You were in the good surprise. We are live. For the first time in, uh, we'll call it 600. We'll just call it an even 600. That is now an accurate statement. Hey, you know what? There's been uh, many things in my life that have taken longer than 600 times to uh, master. Some are still ongoing, if you ask my wife. I was going to say, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, welcome to Best Hour of Their Day. We are live, and we are breaking down the Level 1 Manual. Super excited to do this because it's one of the best books out there when it comes to becoming a better coach, a better trainer. And I think a lot of people either A, never read it, or B, check it out when they're getting ready for their first seminar. <laughs> and um, sorry, the comments are already, the comments are already loading. And um, don't bring that one on the screen, whatever you do. Oh, Jesus, Cody. I specifically it's... asked you not to do that. Use headphones yeah. Yep. This morning, Christian said my hair looks like troll hair. I don't know if that's accurate. No, nah, troll hair but, is um, <laughs> but most people that maybe they read this, take their level one and then never look back on it. And what's been really fun for me is knowing we were doing this, I've been rereading it. And there's like just gold. There's It's gold, Jerry. Firm, what was the first time you read the level one manual? Oh dear God! I had to have been something in around the 2007 time frame. Yeah, and by the way, Nikki Sharp, these are legit. Nikki's Nikki Sharp is a self-proclaimed guru gadget. However, on our affiliate university professional development call yesterday, I believe she was using an iPhone five when she was recording herself. It, it was had a home. It had a home, it had a home button on it, huh? Got it. <laughs> it had yeah. It was like my mom. Like my mom. <laughs> so you read it in 2007, and you know one of the things I think we're going to talk about over over these episodes is you know where CrossFit was back when a lot of this was written, and where we are today, 15, 16 years later. And we we hope that all of you, you know, there's 30 plus people watching live currently. We hope that you have read this because we want to hear from you as we go through this. If you're not sure where to find it, simply type into your Google machine, L1 CrossFit Manual, and voila, it will present itself. So pretty cool that, let's just talk about this. It's out there for free. Anyone can check it out, whether or not you've signed up for the L1 certificate course. Yeah, I think, Cody, can you drop that link? Can you put that link in the chat cool. or in the show? How fancy are we? Can Cody do this? For the record, this is our first time using a new... Uh, platform we are there live you go. there we go see it there Boom. you go can go you put that, up. On that can you, everybody can you pull that comment up there cody um he could do it, put it know, cody you doing anything Boom, you. right there okay. yeah, yeah i don't think you can click on that but i'm sure on you youtube can't, you can drop the link. it'll give you a pretty good idea and level one trainer guide so uh, here's what i here's what i am uh i'm genuinely excited about this because this is i was on the uh, i was on one of the calls that jay actually never attends which is the uh hq staff development calls which is why he's this morning we're on that one today? which is why which is why you continue to be a sub bar trainer the <laughs> i'm no flow master burn yeah you are not the um the i want to change my screen name to flow master fern the um... okay while you're doing that <laughs> but do you have a shirt with your I do face have a shirt. on an elk 
Yeah. You got this shirt. Yeah, I have my face chiseled into the side of a mountain. Um, <laughs> all the crew from we got a Tijuana. Uh, training. Tijuana. Oh, nice. So what's cool about this is I was we were talking about this and they did we did some breakout sessions in there talking about weaknesses and where you struggle. And one of the places where I uh, kind of admitted I struggle is I've been doing this a long time, as have you. And sometimes I will not prepare to the extent that I need to prepare. So there's a difference between I can show up to a class cold and not write a lesson plan and still run a good class or show up to a seminar and not do a ton of prep for the lecture and still give a good lecture. That doesn't mean that's what we should do. And one of the things I said I've committed to um, is kind of like revisiting the level one manual. And we're just going to do that with everybody. Right. So we just get to go back to the basics and and literally read the level one manual um because i think you know the number of people that haven't done this is probably a wild number you know and you should like there's some pretty <laughs> profound information in here and also there's some clarifying information in here on like what crossfit is and what it is not and uh, we're going to dive into that and we're going to deep dive in here and uh maybe highlight some things that people are not aware of if you're reading the manual and you're going to your level one or you're prepping for your level three um, this is something you should be doing. Or level four, which is uh, coming back um, out next year. Yeah. It, I mean, this will, I mean, at this point, the level four, you should know this information. That's a little bit different. That's a little bit more practical. Um, I don't know that how much revisiting this is going to help you go out into the floor and like crush it in a class, but um, you should well, have one thing that you by said, now. Something you said that I think the, the listeners need to hear again. I mean, whether myself or Fern, you know, we've been doing this 15 plus years. And yeah, Fern can show up to any given class any day across her life and provide an excellent experience. Just like he can show up at any seminar and give the what is CrossFit or what is fitness lecture, or coach a breakout group, but you can't rest on your laurels. If you want to be a level four or you want to make it on seminar staff or you simply want to be the best coach you can be, you got to revisit the basics you got to go back and do things like read the manual again prepare study etc it doesn't just it's a perishable skill coaching uh let's see how many questions pull that question over here real quick they uh from christian they're um yeah how many questions do coaches ask that could have been found in level one um all of them <laughs> <laughs> all of the questions can be found in the level one manual uh that is pretty that much is short and sweet of that it, that's not and, inaccurate. You know, I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but it's it's not entirely inaccurate. Yeah, and I, and what I like about it is, you know, there is still quite a bit of gray when you're going through the level one. Like some of it, obviously, faults and points of performance, et cetera. But when you're looking at the methodology and the theory lectures, um, you, you can really interpret it differently. And and I think that's some of the things we might find on on today's episode. You know, we've got a point that I think is is gray, and it's one of the points that some people use as a criticism of CrossFit. It's one of the things that we might use as a as a positive when we get there. So, you know, we're going to break this down chapter by chapter. For those of you watching, make sure you're following the best hour of their day Instagram because we will always put up there in advance where we are in there, as well as potentially some homework and some other things for you to cover before watching because we want to hear from you throughout this yeah candy excited for the uh maybe we all aspire to be on look candy i need you to relax even if you earn your level four it doesn't mean you're on my level it does not mean that you're on my level 
in your um, ooh. Well, yeah. What's your answer to that, Fern? How how many hours should uh, someone coach before taking the level one? I mean, if you're like the vast majority of us, the answer is none, and then you just go take that's your level one. I mean, it's a it's I don't I don't know that it necessarily matters, right? It's just like, hey, when do I start my journey? The answer is yesterday. So, you know, I I think a lot of people. It's just a weird question. It's just how you start. Um, the answer was yesterday, but how you start? Do you start underneath somebody? Do you not have the opportunity to start underneath somebody? Um, just start, just, just go start coaching classes and that's how you get good at this stuff. Yeah. When's the best time to take your level one yesterday? When's the next best time? Yeah. Uh, this weekend. Go get it. So, so, Hey, honorary, whatever, call whatever you want, Christian. So you want to dive into this? You want to get going? Yeah, let's go. Let's, uh, so for those of you, oh, really, <laughs> we got uh, some spam comments or we got a new fan. Oh, um, sweet. Jay's in need of a hot girl. So thanks, uh, Sex69-Fun. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, they know where to find me. Uh, so for, for, for those of you following along, we're just going to break down the first couple pages. Understanding CrossFit, because that's what it's all about. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's dig into this. So Fern, you read the first few pages? Yeah, so can you pull that up real quick, Cody? And we just start, it's basically, I mean, it's- By the way, before we even go any further, is that DT up there? That it, you know- it, it could TT. be, it could be, but I have, I have thoughts about it. I don't know. What? What What's, no, no. It could, it could What's be a lot of people. I, I've for many years thought it is DT, but I've also don't think it is DT. Who do you think it is? If you don't think it's DT. Cabo? Does it look like Cabo a little bit? It could be Cabo. Um, it could be, dude, it could be a lot of people. It's just literally. When I do this. A, it looks, of a, it looks like the back of a woman's like, head. How big is my nose when I come in this close? Is it, it really? It, it verifies that you are, in fact, Jason. <laughs> um, are you are you censoring yourself because we're live today? I think you just censored yourself. I don't know that live matters. Yeah, we're saying words, we're saying words. Um, but yeah, so we're basically starting on page two of that manual, and it starts with understanding CrossFit. Um, and again, oh, like I, I think, so go down a little bit more, Cody. Yeah, so past the table of contents should be the first page. So not two on there. That's the two number of pages. But work off the actual, yeah, right there. So understanding CrossFit. Um, it says the aims, prescription, methodology, implementation, and adaptations of CrossFit are collectively and individually unique, defining of CrossFit, and instrumental in our program successes in, oh, you highlighted, in diverse applications, right? Um, and it says, and then it goes into aims. I think everybody should read this. From the beginning, the aim of CrossFit has been to forge a broad, general, and inclusive fitness. We sought to build a program that would best prepare trainees uh, for any physical contingency, prepare them not only for the unknown, but for the unknowable. Looking at uh, all sport and physical tasks collectively, we asked what physical skills and adaptations would most universally lend themselves to performance advantage. Capacity, cold, uh, sorry, my eyes are getting weird. Uh, cold uh, from the intersection of all sports demands would quite logically lend itself well to all sport. In sum, our specialty is not specializing, right? And which I think is important because the number one criticism of CrossFit is clearly outlined in the goal of CrossFit. Just like, hey, you guys aren't good at certain things. And I'm like, it's quite literally in the design and in the, in the desired outcome of CrossFit is not to specialize in anything. So it's done intentionally. It's not, this is not a, this is not a, 
a misapplication of variance, right? It was quite literally the intent. Well, and I think it was, who's that author who did uh, Starship Troopers? I want to say it's Hein Heimlich, Heimlich. Um, but he, you know, Heim, yeah, something like he says. Um, specialization is for insects, and um, oh, you, you can find that. Quote. But I, I, I agree with you, Fern. But here's what I would say about that. What's interesting is back in 2007, when this was written, it was very true. If you did CrossFit, you weren't going to be good at anything, like meaning on the extremes, right? But to today, the best CrossFitters are better than a lot of people in their specific sport. Well, it's funny. I was talking to Pat Barber uh, on that call that you failed to show up to for personal development. And he was talking about, I don't know how it came up. We were just talking about, he knew, he's like, hey, remember when back in the day we were doing CrossFit? And for those of you who've been around for a while, like, it was very common for people like, hey, you're never going to – oh, we were talking about Kevin Ogar because he just he just benched uh, 200 kilos, I believe. So it's like 450 pounds-ish. It's like 440. Uh, yeah, it's like 440. It's, it's, uh, his, he said that his legs were stronger than my arms. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, That's you're funny. probably not wrong. Uh, uh, that is walk. funny coming from um, Kevin Ogar. No, but – and then, uh, but because like Kevin's really, really strong upper body, and obviously he's is <laughs> very uh, focused training uh, torso up. But the but Pat Barber was saying he's like, remember when everybody was like, hey, you're never gonna get strong being CrossFit, and then everybody got stronger. It's just like all CrossFitters are on steroids, and they're like, or or the shit works. And it's like, are there people on steroids? Undoubtedly, right? Who they are, I don't care. That's not my job, and not and not what I'm worried about. But the point is, is like, you start chasing make you start chasing not being a specialist and not only do you get gains in certain places you get significant gains in places and significant capacity in areas that otherwise were considered to not be achievable as with and to be well-rounded i mean to the point that there are crossfitters making olympic teams yeah i think so like he like ogar was on the uh he was on the paralympic powerlifting team. team right Tia, obviously, also um, uh, a couple of uh, a couple of the ladies outside of the, um, uh, in the in South America as well, um, but yeah, and, uh, specialization and, um, is for insects. Got it. I think when Glassman, one of the things he said is like, one day we're going to see a four hundred pound back squat with the same person that can run a five minute mile, and I would argue. Just about every games athlete, not just about, I would assume all games athletes can do that this day, but well beyond the forming. At the Rogue Invitational last week, there was four or five. They had to do 15 reps of it. Adam within Clink. The, within a workout. Adam Clink, who uh, is still part of the Ben Smith blueprint, but was a head coach at CrossFit Krypton. You guys can check out that episode and are dropping in when we went there recently. But Adam Clink back squatted 500 and ran a five minute mile in the same day. Yeah, Austin Maliolo deadlifted 600 and ran a marathon in the same day. Yeah, that's that's and all of that to just rec all to just show that like, hey, you can have broad, you can have extremely high capacity in a broad range of modalities. Which again, going back to the aim of the program, was the goal, right? When we're talking about unknown and unknowable, um, and to use these terms exactly where they're looking at, 
lend themselves to performance advantage, right? Capacity called from the intersection of all sport demand, sports demands would like would quite logically lend itself well to all sport, right? And I think that's the beauty of that whole thing is he, I think it, what's interesting about this whole thing is like, as you go back and read this, you realize that like he backed his way into the program instead of trying to create a program that went somewhere. He was like, what, what would I want to be able to do? And then it was just like, Oh, well, here's what I want to be. I would want to be able to do all those things. And then what would that look like? And then, and then, which leads into the prescription, which is kind of the next part, which is the definition of CrossFit. And so if a lot of this stuff sounds familiar, the verbiage, cause like this we're we're roundabout ways working through some of the lecture material so when we're talking about crossfit this is the, the parts and pieces of this are pulled out of this manual to create the level one lecture series the first one being what is crossfit what do you think came first obviously this is dated 2007 but i'm sure much of this was written and then along the way you know around 2005 six they started going out there and putting out seminars do you think Glassman was just kind of giving these lectures and was like, write that down? Or do you think he was writing a lot of this first and then pulled it into the lectures itself? Well, he's writing it first. Cause remember he wrote the, what is, he wrote the, what is fitness lecture in 2002. 2000, yeah. Early on. Think, yeah. Um, or it might've been 2004, but it was like early, early before there was any, before there was like a, a seminar series before there was any lectures. And even in, for the first several years, there was no definitive outline for the seminars like he would just go talk and then over time the other people that were showed up every weekend you know that ended up being like the dave castros the pat sherwoods the nicole carroll's the annie sakamoto's like that crew were able to extract that information and then put it into you know a, a more coat i don't want to say coherent but a more concisely um designed document which then led to the development of the actual lectures in their in their capacity that you see today when you sit for the level one or the level two yeah and i think we'll talk about this a little later on but when i took my level one he gave all the all of the lectures he was up there from what is crossfit you know through programming uh and you know people chimed in here and there and i think it was like they clearly had a plan for the weekend but it wasn't what it is today where 15 20 seminars around the world are doing the same exact thing in the same exact moment of course with you being Flowmaster, the timeline in Virginia will be a little thrown off, but most of the other seminars will be running efficiently. Ours will be tight, baby. Um, yeah, right. My, mine so, only run a mine only run a little late if I'm working with Chuck. Yeah, well, yeah, Chuck Church, Chuck Chuck can pull it off because people are just happy to be around Chuck. So, so let's dig in. Constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. Do you remember That's the, the definition. first time you heard? Yeah. Do you remember hearing that for the first time? You know, I wish I, I wish I did remember the first time I hear it. I don't remember that specifically. I do remember, um, vaguely the what is fitness lecture, and, but I really do. It was so long ago at this point. This is two thousand and I think it's either late two thousand seven or early two thousand eight, and I believe it was either Pat Sherwood or um or Andrew. Oh God, what was his last name? He was a Marine blonde hair guy, super smart dude. Um, Chuck talks about him a lot, but anyway, it was, it was one of them. I believe that gave, um, they gave that lecture, the, what is fitness lecture, but it is interesting that, you know, that, uh, what's interesting about that definition, it is, it is while precise, it is also very broad nature. 
Meaning when you think about what is CrossFit, you say constantly varied function movements executed at high intensity. You're like, damn, those are pretty wide left and right lateral limits to, to, that allow for a, an, an immense amount of creative creativity, which is what we see in the CrossFit landscape, which has then given us the level of athletes that we now see today. Yeah, and, and no, it was not stump Brandon that Fern's referring to. No, not um, stump. It was um, uh, stump, he's a Navy SEAL. Um, no, and I and you know again going back to all of this, there's so much. Like you said, there's wide margins on all of this, like constantly varied the the functional movements and even even high intensity. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I love CrossFit so much is. I, I love the gray areas of CrossFit. Yeah. And so a lot of people struggle with that definition. So e e admittedly, even like when, when we kind of redesigned our onboarding process and we were like trying to do that, like we would give that, we would, we would use the, the phrase cause that is in fact the, the technical definition of CrossFit, but very quickly, very quickly. And I think Keith Wittenstein, you know, uh, I've heard him say this very eloquently. Like he, he's always just like, let's unpack that because there's a lot there in those six words or I don't, it's high intensity, one word with a hyphen in there. I don't know, but like five, maybe, but, but the I point is, let's, say, right, let's, let's call it six, right? Five, five and a half, right? There's a lot there, which, which is then unpacked in the, um, in the lecture. And I think what's, what's cool about that is like, you can dive into each one of those, but like, if we were just to do this very succinctly, if I was to kind of put that in what we would describe maybe more layman's terms, it's just like constantly varied. Hey, we're going to change things very frequently, high intensity, let's call it above 70% and then functional movements, things that you're already doing. So let's do things that you're already doing at 70% or higher and let's change them frequently. Right. I'm not trying to redefine CrossFit, but for like the lay person, like grandma Jenny, who comes into the gym, that, that might stick a little bit more if you were if you were kind of pressed for time and don't have a 40 minutes to give the what is CrossFit lecture. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that naturally when their buddy's like, Hey, tell me what this CrossFit thing is. Or someone new walks into the box and you're kind of like, well, we work out pretty hard. We change it up every day and there are movements you do outside of here and like, Oh, okay. That sounds cool. I can do that. Right. Versus, you know, we, I think most of us wrap up the what is CrossFit lecture by saying something like, so next time someone asks you what CrossFit is, you pull out your whiteboard. Right. Yes. If they got an hour. Right. But it's right. like, I think, you know, and my favorite way, it's always what Glassman used to say, hey, you want to know what CrossFit is? Can you show up tomorrow at 9 a.m.? I'll show you exactly what it is. Right. Like right. that's the old school way of doing it. Obviously, that's not uh, you know, what most affiliates do these days, but. But yeah, we can break it down to these three things. And for those of you that have taken the level one, you know, we certainly break down functional movement into the, you know, descriptive ca uh, characteristics as well as the defining characteristic, which we will get to, you know, in these episodes. Um, and then, you know, high intensity. And so you said something. Let's let's unpack that a little bit. Seventy percent. This is I, I admittedly I stole this from Pat Sherwood because I heard him say this years ago, but the. When we talk about high intensity, like what's the, what would be the, the most kind of succinct way to, to talk about that? Because high intensity uh, very gets a lot of hate because it's misconstrued. And we've talked about this before in the podcast, misconstrued or misinterpreted or whatever you want to call it for maximal effort. Yeah. And, and while high intensity technically by its very nature does include maximal effort, that's, we're not suggesting that it's maximal effort all the time. 
So if we say there's a high, again, reasonable to assume there's a medium, there's a low, mathematically speaking, that would make high 66.6% or higher, right? Which doesn't sound all that crazy. I'm like, hey, 70% today. I'm like, still high intensity. If we're just talking about like somebody's perceived effort or RPE, if you want to use that kind of metric, like use that as like a, but it does factor in some other things. And I think, um, that's important, but like, if we're going to go by this statement, you know, it says CrossFit is constantly varied function movements executed high intensity. This is our prescription function movements are universal motor recruitment patterns. They're performed in a wave of contraction from core to extremity. There are compound movements, i.e. they're multi-joint, they're natural, effective, uh, and efficient locomotors for body and external objects, right? That though, that is kind of like very quickly outlining the essentially the descriptors right like there's a difference there's two different ways you can talk about or two different ways you can um look at functional movements like what's the what is the defining characteristic what what legitimately makes it different from its non-functional counterparts and then like how would i describe it right so one is like math the other one is just like what does it look like right so when you're talking about universal motor recruitment patterns we're just talking about like there's a series of you know there's a series of patterns in human movement, natural human movement that would lend themselves to everything else. Right. Meaning like they're, they're going to be found pretty much anywhere that you go, the battlefield, right. Uh, the job site, the playing field. And by running or sprinting, you would inherently start to get better at deadlifting and vice versa or squatting or punching or throwing. So when we're talking about universal motor recruitment patterns. Like that's what we're talking about. Universal meaning like, Think of it as ubiquitous. They're everywhere. Um, and, and they look the same too. You know, one of the right, examples- They're very I similar. Always, you, you, you get somebody kipping on a pull-up bar, throw them on the ground, they're doing the hollow, they're doing an arch, flip them upside down, they're, they're you know, doing handstand push-ups, put a barbell overhead, they're doing a push press, right? All these Butterfly swimming, throwing a soccer right. ball, spiking a volleyball, like all those right. things, you know? Yeah, um, and one, one, of, one of my- memories from my level one was and i think he said this in some of the videos out there he used to say he, you know when he would talk about they're essential they're essential to quality life you know and we need to be doing these movements and then you know he would get to safe and say they're safe he'd be like it'd be pretty ludicrous to get up here and say these movements are essential you should be doing them but they're really freaking dangerous right, right. they're they're safe they're safe relative to other move non-functional movements like here i am at a you know, at a lifetime gym and you go downstairs, people are doing movements where it's like, if I loaded that up real heavy, you're going to tear a pet. You're going to, you know, right. blow your ACL where you know, functional movements, everyone listening to this episode right now has failed a, a lift and they're right. fine. Cool. Right. Did, you know, like the hangover, but did you die? And the right. answer is no, you're here to talk about it. Yeah. So just, just to outline those, you know, the, the six descriptors are natural universal motor recruitment patterns essential, safe, compound yet reducible, and quarter extremity. So those are the six descriptors that we would use for that. Um, essential just meaning like they're they're essential for uh, quality of your um, you want to be able to quality of life. Forever. Yeah, your yeah, your independent living and quality of life, right? Like I would like to say like when we're talking about essential, meaning like these are the use or lose type deals. Like if you stop squatting, you'll have the inability to squat anymore. And then but if you start squatting again, you can get it back. Right. And you're going to yeah, need we were, to do those things to like navigate your daily life. 
we yeah, we were on our professional development call uh, yesterday. I think it was Nick actually who was in the comments there, coaching two people on the squat and you know squatting to a box. Cool. And a lot of PTs are like, hey, you can't squat. And I'm like, cool. If they stop squatting, they never start again. Right. Right. Pull that uh, that comment up from Christian there, um, Cody, about the cat programming. So this is a common misconception is that you cannot have people get stronger over time. We'll get to this in programming, but I did want to bring that up there. When variance is applied appropriately, lin linear, you know, some sort of linear program or, or linearization, um, uh, linear periodization isn't necessarily required. It doesn't mean it's not useful or good. It's just not required, you know, until I get to a certain point and then it probably is required. Um, but we will talk about more once we get to the programming aspect of uh, the trainer manual. Um, you know, the compound, every, the compound yet irreducible portion of those descriptors is like, that's just what I've described as like natural human movement or somebody who does something the right way. Right. If like if you were a caveman or or just an animal, like not even a human being, like everything that you would do in order to interact with the world to do it and like continue to live would be done in that fat. Like you would either throw something, you would run, you would jump, you would sprint, you would swim. It would be done with that pattern intact. And I think the example you give is like, hey, throw a, throw an object with your non-dominant hand. That whole thing gets violated. And then it breaks down the outcome you're rooting for either high velocity or long distance, um, probably both, um, is non-existent anymore. And that's what we're talking about, just like natural human movement, which and all these kind of have a little bleed over. Right. So universal motor recruitment patterns is a ton of uh, bleed over into quarter extremity patterns. And then also listed in there is compound yet irreducible. And that's just simply saying there is a. The biggest bang for your buck is training movements the way that they're already done in life and not isolating them. Not to be confused with isolation movements have no value. That's not the statement, right? The statement is they have the biggest return on investment if you train your body the way it is actually working in human life, meaning the hamstring curl while it is good for making the hamstring stronger is not actually how the hamstring works biomechanically on the human body. Not to say that you shouldn't do the hamstring curl, but if all you do is hamstring curls and then you run out onto the field and you want to do some sprints and be a human being, you're probably going to blow a hamstring because you've and never you trained, you've trained it. And you do these movements. Right. Yeah. Doing a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, and you know, something we say at the level one is right, like, and I think this you, you go down and you see somebody doing the leg extension, the leg curl, the yes, no machine, the calf raise, etc. They're they may not be able to squat 225, even 135. Where if I get a crossfitter, you know, and, and not an extremely strong crossfitter, even who can squat 225, like, they're going to be fine on any of the leg machines you would have typically done on a leg day. Well, the other thing that's left out of that and for uh, whatever reason, or just not highlighted there necessarily with regard to that whole concept of isolation is like isolation typically does not account for full anatomical or natural end ranges. Meaning like if I'm going to do again, nothing wrong with the leg press, but there's a reason people can leg press 1400 pounds and can only back squat 315. Did you right? see me because leg pressing earlier? Did you see me? Because that's what exactly what I looked best. It looked as bad as I thought it was going to look. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, 
again, I, I don't, I think there's a, a, a weird argument about like they're poo pooing on these other movements. I'm like, no, do them. I don't care. Just understand that the return on those movements is not as great as the return on doing compound movements. Um, or some, I guess some people would call it like free weight lifting, but doing free weight lifting the way they're supposed to be done full anatomical end range, you know, barring any sort of significant injury or limitation at appropriate loads and then progressing in volume speed or weight appropriately. Yeah. And, and I think just like CrossFit gets its fair share of criticism crossfitters and level one trainers and you know all the way through affiliate owners can get a little too dogmatic about crossfit like back in the day it was like if someone was in your i literally had a shirt at my first affiliate that said friends don't let friends do bicep curls now we can argue the functionality of a bicep curl because many people would say it's a functional movement but point being i think you're doing a really nice job saying like hey don't poop poo on this stuff just understand the pitfalls or the downfalls or why we think functional movements are better. And I think as a whole, that's a message a lot of CrossFitters need to hear. You know, it's 2022. We, we recognize at this point, some of the best CrossFit games athletes out there do some other movements and you should be varying your life and throwing in a yoga class or whatever makes you feel good and happy at the end of the day. Right. So don't get so dogmatic about it because then we're just as guilty as the rest of the world. So I guess it's like we can move to the next piece, which is like the next sentence says, but no aspect of functional movements is more important than their capacity to move large loads, long distances, and do so quickly. Collectively, these three attributes, load, distance, and speed, or you can think time, uniquely qualify functional movements for the production of high power. Intensity is defined exactly as power. And intensity is the independent variable most commonly associated with maximizing the rate of return on favorable adaptation. Right. So that's the key part when we're talking about like, okay, here's how you would describe functional movements. When we talk about like what makes them different, it's their ability for high power output, right? Large loads, long distance quickly. Key component to that is like relative to their non-functional counterparts, right? So an example we would give, again, typically like you use, like, let's say you weigh 185 pounds and I just do an air squat. And I was like, you got 60 seconds to do air squat and we count those reps. And then I do a, okay, we measure the range of motion, call it two feet. We have you do a hamstring curl, roughly two feet from extension to full curl to your butt. Distance traveled, 185 pounds loaded. You're not going to have the same output. Not because your hamstrings are weak, but because relatively speaking, there's, there's more musculature involved in moving your total body weight other than just your hamstring, right? So that's an isolation movement can be very useful, but not the same as a, as a, what we would describe as a functional or natural movement. Those have the ability to do high power output, mathematically speaking. Right. And this is the part where this is where that we move away from the subjective world or like, Hey, what's better or, or what produces high power or intensity and the objective nature of that, of that, statement when we talk about intensity we're not talking about the the correlate or the subjective use of intensity we're talking about the mathematical problem force times distance over time equals average power which is exactly equal to intensity when we use the term intensity this is always a point that i think should be delineated when we when we start to have this debate or discussion is like we need to make sure that we're using terms correctly and that we've defined them because if somebody's using the term intensity 
um, in the sense of RPE, and we're using intensity in the, in the form of mathematics, not to say either one of those is right or wrong, in the, it would depend on the context of the conversation, but we would just be simply talking past each other. Like, well, you say that an orange is an apple, and I say that an orange is a pear. And it's just like, can we just call an orange an orange and agree on, on terms? And I think that's always something that just gets, that gets kind of like rushed past for some reason in those discussions. Understanding when we talk about intensity, when we talk about high intensity, we're talking about that ability to move large loads, uh, move large loads, long distances and do so quickly, right? This, this is why the short kind of um, uh, hallmark workouts in CrossFit hurt so much. The Frans, the Dianes, it's because like, large loads long distances quickly if you think about the load moved in a fran 95 pounds for 45 rep thruster and pull-ups and how fast you're doing those 90 reps yeah not shocking that there's a high lactate um uh high lactate environment introduced to the human body at which point it feels like your your insides are boiling yeah we can break down all the girls as we go through this i want you to answer the question down there. And the reason I want you to answer that, Fern, is because I've got to take a quick bathroom break. Welcome, welcome to Fern's life, everybody. Right. Um, would this comparison also apply to lifting contrary to throwing, considering that we humans are anatomically made for throwing, which it is in the theoretical hierarchy for the development of an athlete, by the way. Everybody forgets that. Um, how much throwing should be programmed then in comparison to lifting? <clears throat> this I would answer that, and this is just my opinion. I don't know that there's a right answer to that, but I do appreciate the question. This would be something where um, where I would kind of refer back to world-class fitness in 100 words when he talks about, you know, um, regularly learn and play new sports. So with regard to that, should a human being be, be able to throw? Yeah, I absolutely think they should be able to throw. To what degree should they be able to throw? I think that depends on what is this person trying to accomplish. We would probably agree that, inability to throw would manifest itself in other deficiencies uh, competent ability to throw um, would also manifest itself positively in a lot of places but to what degree would i need to train that would depend on what this person's goals were are they a sports specific athlete obviously a baseball player a softball pitcher a football quarterback a lacrosse player a lot of throwing we should probably spend more time throwing but if you're not I would just be like, I would want the baseline level of athletic capacity to throw using quarter extremity principles appropriately to have that power output. And then I would move on because spending any more time there, um, there would be little to, to no um, return on that, if that makes sense. So I hope that kind of answers the question. So, Well, this was really um, spotlighted. What year was that? 2009 when they did the softball throw? Uh, I want to say nine. It was a long time. It was a, no, no, yeah. it wasn't 2009. No, because it was in, uh, it was in Aromas and 2009 was, or sorry. Yeah. 2009 was in Aromas and that was done in Carson. Cool. So maybe it's yeah, 10. It was early on, but you know, correct. we saw plenty of games athletes that couldn't throw very well and they were still plenty fit. But yeah, I, I like what you said there. It's, it's probably a, a strong correlate, right? You should and you, you should be able to do it. Um, so thinking back on this, uh, I, I would tell you this, like having, having playing a lot of sport, I would, this is actually a great discussion. You know, like I obviously spent a lot of time around a, a whole plethora of athletes growing up. I played, uh, 
a lot of sports growing up. But no, here's my point, which is like the athletes that had solid capacity to throw, which regardless of which sport they specialized in, were were generally speaking the most athletic. Right. So like whether they were a baseball player or not by trade, the ones that were really athletic could throw a baseball. Right. But counter argument was not the the same, meaning like um, I love wrestlers, you're wrestlers, but re- wrestlers are notorious for for like not being real great out of any say anything outside of wrestling. Like you put them, I give will them a- throw <laughs> a football over that fence over there, Ardo, Ardo, <laughs> which happens to be four feet from you. But the um, and again, not a shot at wrestlers, but like I just I have a lot of wrestler friends. I like to pick on them, but they um, but that would be an example where like high capacity, but but that that act of throwing was not there, and they would have a tough a really tough time translating their skill set of wrestling to another sport where typically what I saw was like somebody who could throw. And it's an, it's a really interesting question. Somebody who can throw is typically really good across multiple sports. Well, I, I, that's very interesting. Um, and I, I would argue, <laughs> I would pay a lot <laughs> and a little nerf one. Maybe um, <laughs> I can throw a baseball. Well, I can throw a ball. Well, um, and I, I could, I'm going to say something outlandish, which I rarely do. Um, I can throw both sides, both sides. Lefty, this is lefty, right. That's so why I played a lot of handball. Uh, and you have to play both ways. Not, not, the hand, um, not the handball that you guys are thinking of, but the handball. And, and I do want to say, we've got some new, new listeners, new fans. Do you want to tell them? all about your division one career. Do you want to get into that on the first episode? I don't. Live. That's your job. Your job is to talk about mm-hmm. my accolades. Yeah. Um, yep. Division so the, but no, that's, that was, I, I think. And if, if, if anybody, I mean, I'm sure you knew people that were like that, but like that, that tends to be true. Like if they're good throw, no, they're, you're, I they're think usually you're pretty, pretty athletic. Yeah. And I think you're pretty spot on about wrestlers too. Um, I, and I think partly because we get into wrestling because we are in fact, not athletic, athletic. <laughs> which is like like you said it's like because you could get so good at wrestling like i'm not athletic just by being stubborn right and like fitness right like right. if you can go hard for that five to six minutes like you can bypass so much athletic now if you happen to be athletic as well oh, that's when it's... you elevate yeah. right yeah and this is not to say that wrestlers are not athletic the the, the peak end of almost any sport you're talking about every person there is athletic in yeah. nature so um, anyway, so the, here's, the, here's, I think the next part, which is like recognizing that, uh, breadth and depth of a program stimulus will determine the breadth and depth of the adaptation it elicits. Our prescription of functionality intensity is constantly varied. We believe that preparation for random physical challenges, i.e. the unknown and unknowable events is at odds with fixed, predictable and routine regimens. And there's another statement in the, in the lecture where he says like any routine, um, no matter how complete contains within its omissions, the parameters for which there will be no adaptation, right? That's a great yeah, classism. What I'm loving about this as we go through it together again, also is like seeing how much of this is a part of the level one. And some of the um, things that we still say, you know, on a, on a weekly basis, give that last line again. Cause I want to make an analogy. The, the, Breath the one that I read or the, no, the one you just said at the end. Oh, no. What he says is like any um, 
Oh yeah, so I can read that one again. So it says within any um, no within any program. Oh sorry. Okay, yeah. So with uh within any um sorry with uh any program. Sorry, I'm blanking again. I just had a brain fart. Um, oh, any program, no how, uh, no matter how complete, um, contains within its omissions the parameters for which there will be no adaptation. Right? Yeah, so, and that's well, here's my analogy. And, you know, I'm gonna give it for Christian because he's listening. Uh, Star Wars analogy. Anyone watch Star Wars? It's like you have that Death Star from Episode Four, New Hope, and it was like indestructible. However, there's one little spot where mm. if you shoot a you know laser in there like Luke did, the thing explodes. And that's kind of always what this reminds me of. Like no matter how robust, no matter how awesome your your programming, your training, all the, there's there's a spot in there that we can destroy you. Well, I, this is so. This is um we can we can talk about this on a practical level. So this is Star Wars this nerds. Is, let me know how that was. So it's not bad. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're up on Andor, but. I doubt that. I have not the, watched Andor, Andor yeah. yet. So the that statement is a direct um how would I describe this? It it calls out fixed programming of things like strength plus metcon. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, not to say that those things are bad, but understand that by doing it that way, you are creating weaknesses inside the programming meaning if that's all i ever do we know a handful of things about the degree with which you're your strength training meaning like the volume the loading um is probably not optimal we won't say good or bad just optimal and then we know that the length of the metcons it probably falls one of the very finite window probably something in the 7 to 12 maybe 15 on the long end which means immediately i know that you are very likely deficient in longer metcons 20 30 minutes okay which again if you're, if you're not trying to do that that's fine that's cool and and crossfit is not actually poo-pooing that either they're just saying simply that you need to recognize that there is a deficiency being designed there by the nature of the design of the program i like that you know too many people just get upset like strength metcon is dumb not necessarily, right? Depends on it's what your great. goals are. Right. But like you just said, here's the issue. If you do strength and neck on five days a week, we have a really good idea of what your strength training looks like, as well as what your conditioning looks like. And we know where you're weak. So I think that's the bigger issue, right? It's not strength and metcon are inherently wrong. It's that when done exclusively, you're, you know, and we'll get to this throughout the manual as well. Like, well, you'll fail at the margins of your experiences. Because like you said, it's very hard in a 60-minute class to brief somebody, warm them up, throw in a cool down at the end, and then plug in strength and metcon and go longer than 15 minutes. It's damn near impossible you know, unless you're doing a, hey, work up to a one rep max in six minutes, which is not what they're doing. Yeah. Um. Cody, let's go to the next page. Talk methodology, because there. So, like, just on these, just, just on these first two pages. I mean, there is a broad coverage of numerous theory lectures in these first two pages, for the record, right? So once we get, yeah, into here's what I'm thinking. If you if you show up and you've read this, you're going to be. I would guess for we've reached on probably 200 plus seminars. How many people show up every weekend having actually read this? 
a handful. I know a couple people that are like Uber nerds. Like I read the whole thing start to finish. I'm like, all right, well, you probably be just fine. The issue is you have to, yeah, there's so much, there's so much here. And that's what I was saying. Like just the first two, we haven't got past the first, we haven't got to page four yet. Right. Yeah, and we've covered three pages. On we've cut and we've covered, we've covered like three separate lectures here. Right. So yeah. in this next one, it says the methodology that drives CrossFit is entirely empirical. We believe meaningful statements about safety, efficacy, and efficiency, the three most important and interdependent facets to evaluate any fitness program can be supported only by measurable, observable, and repeatable data, right? So this statement right here, which is on page two, under methodology of the trainer manual, is expressly stating the opposite of all internet trolls and CrossFit is all we care about is going fast and lifting heavy weights, right? They're talking about like one of those three components is safety. The first one, by the way. Right, you know? Um, and I think CrossFit ruined me for most other, um, not sport is the right word, but training because I love the measurable, observable and repeatable aspect of CrossFit. Right. And I think that's what we all, you know, to the point that sometimes I'll see a workout that has something like flutter kicks right. or even up downs. Right. And it's like, cool. What's, what's measurable, observable and repeatable about this? Cause I can move my legs this far this time. I can jump back this far this time. And now I don't know, you know, what I'm comparing it to. And by the way, this, you know, goes against a lot of people's, you know, beliefs. It's like, well, you're competing with people in your class. I'm like, no, I want to know. Cause I want to do better myself next time. And I don't know what I did this time if it's a movement that's not measurable. Well, this, this again, the brilliance of the definition of CrossFit is what makes it so intriguing in my mind, right? When you're talking about variable, when you're talking about constantly varied, constantly, you can constantly vary everything, meaning like we shouldn't always measure the things that we train. The point is that we can. And the point is that the ones that have higher, high power output distinctly are different and have different adaptation and stimulus is the ones that not that do not similarly and i think it was uh max from training think tank which who i think is uber smart posed a question to dave castro not too long ago about like hey if i didn't time is it still crossfit it's like absolutely. that was when he did that swimming dead right. workout right? and it's like absolutely it still is and dave i think he uh i think he answered that too there but like variance would also entail not timing it or not measuring it just doing it for quality right? It's very everything. And we say that in the lectures, like, Hey, you should vary every conceivable aspect of your program, which sometimes means not doing it for intensity. And sometimes means not measuring it or timing it. It also means sometimes listening to Dave Matthews band when you're working out or Britney Spears, which you like to do. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and, and you tie that back to the intensity piece we talked about earlier. And you said like 70%, like, Hey, maybe one way you kind of ratchet down intensity at times is don't throw that cloth on and, you know, and, and just move and it's okay. So I, I hear you on that. I think, well, I think, but going back to what I being dogmatic. Well, but this, I think the dogmatic aspect in a lot of scenarios is due to lack of understanding. I don't think it's actually dogmatic. I think it's ignorance. So I'm ignorant. Uh, well, that was a foregone conclusion, but I'm talking about <laughs> the, the listeners. Right. And what I mean by that is, our listeners are ignorant. Yes. Well, listen, hey, if you're ignorant, that just means we can educate you and we can help you. If you don't care, that's a different story. Right. But the but the you point of Bernie, is... you quote Bernie Fernie, aren't you? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Do you drop your dad's right. famous quote? 
yeah, either you're stupid or don't give a shit. And I can only help you with one. Right. <laughs> so, but the point of that is when we're talking about the, the measuring aspect of that or the intensity side of it, it's like, well, if I didn't do hundred percent, is it really CrossFit? And it's just like, it's still high intensity by definition, right? It's just not maximal. Right. right. And to think that you're only going to get some positive adaptation or the intended stimulus that you're looking for at maximal training effort is ignorant going back to where I started. So understanding like, Hey, sometimes or what we would describe as like a moving day is still going to have tremendous value probably most of the time. Right. And I think understanding that it's just like, Hey, just because you didn't hit max effort in PR doesn't mean that it wasn't high intensity. Right. Cause that's a, that's a very objective statement, uh, high intensity relative to what, like what was the power output on that effort? It was probably very high. If we're talking about like absolute horsepower, it, it wasn't low. Right? Yeah. And you'd you'd have to snatch, even at 45 pounds, like that's still high, right? That's still a high power up. Like you move that barbell four feet, five feet, six feet right. in a second. Like that's pretty right. freaking high power, you know? And th- and I also think going back to the intensity piece, and we'll get into this in, you know, in technique later on. There's also relative intensity. And relative intensity is not if, – if you take the level one, we talk about relative intensity from the perspective of me compared to grandma or Fern or you, the listener, right? Everyone's relative intensity is different across people. However, relative intensity is unique to any given human being on any given day. Right. right. If you come into the box today and you've had a big fight with your significant other or didn't sleep well or or feel great, like I know I'm going to ratchet up or down your intensity depending on those factors. And then this is probably where the last piece where we talk about implementation, right? Not the last piece, but the next piece is in implementation. CrossFit is quite simply a sport, the sport of fitness, which is one of the things that separated CrossFit. Um, so, we've but, learned- but this was something... I kind of foreshadowed earlier, a lot of people will critique CrossFit because of that statement, right? It is a sport. Like not everyone should be doing this because it is a sport. But Not I everybody think, should be doing it as a sport, but it is a correct. sport. It could be, and also that sport. It could be a casual mean, sport. And it also could be a sport in which you're simply trying to improve yourself, not necessarily yeah. I don't care what Cody did. I don't care what you did. I don't care what this person did. I want to know, is my friend time better than it was two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? And also, just because it's considered a sport doesn't mean it shouldn't be done by other people. Like, Right. That's years- like saying that like I could never go to the gym and play pickup basketball because I'm not like trying to go to the NBA. I could never play flag football in the backyard with my son because uh, neither one of us are going to the NFL. Or at least do you have to disclose that you're a Division One basketball player? Like, if you were to go to the gym to play some pickup ball, like, are you like, all right, guys? I may not look it right now, but just so you know, I realize that I'm five eleven and white. However, I'm about to break somebody's ankles. You're like Woody Harrelson. You you just draining threes right. out there. Like you're like, hey, dude. I know you don't think to, but you're going to want to lace those shoes up. Otherwise you're going to fall. Otherwise I'm going to tear, I'm going to tear you out of those shoes. Um, (laughs) Um, And I love it. Brandon dropped a great comment. If you want to pull that up, our needs differ by degree, not kind. Yeah. One of the classic Glassman quotes. Um, 
So, and I think this is, so if we go, uh, in implementation, CrossFit is quite simply the sport, a sport, the sport of fitness. We have learned that harnessing the natural camaraderie competition and fun of sport or game yields an intensity that cannot be matched by any other means. The late Colonel Jeff Cooper observed that the fear of sporting failure is worse than the fear of death. It is our observation that men will die for points. Using the whiteboards as scoreboards, keeping accurate scores and records, running a clock, and precisely defining the rules and standards of performance, we not only motivate unprecedented output, but derive both relative and absolute metrics at every workout. This is data. Uh, this data has important value well beyond motivation. And I think that's the, that's also something that just that gets overlooked or misinterpreted or just just forgotten in the whole thing, which is like the the sport nature of it allowed it to drive the singular variable that would get the outcome that people were wanting, right? So when we talk about, hey, what do you want in any training modality? I want a result. How do you get results? Add intensity. How do you ramp up intensity? Line yourself up next to somebody else and do it that way, right? And I think that was that was the piece that was missing in a lot of scenarios if, in fact, people were trying to drive. So like same thing for like Olympic weightlifting. If we, did, if we didn't measure it and we didn't make it a sport, would anybody give a shit about weightlifting? Probably not. Same thing for powerlifting, right? If there was no sport where you went and did bench squat dead, nobody would care about powerlifting. They just wouldn't. And it's okay. I think the, the what needs to be understood there is that like it allows – for that to be introduced, which allows people to move the, the move the needle to get the adaptation they're looking for. But like in every sport, it needs to be treated appropriately. There's a time and a place to make something competitive. But just because it is competitive and it can be used as a sport and we can measure it doesn't mean that we need to bludgeon ourselves or other people with it. I, I think also, if you pull that back up, Cody, that sentence or two that you read, that you read, is the reason most people listening fell in love with CrossFit. Of course. You know, myself of included. Course. And I, I've heard Greg Amundsen say this, who, by the way, if you don't know who Greg Amundsen is, OG, fire breather, like always on the, you know, dot com back when Fern and I found CrossFit, just crushing workouts. And he said he remembers the time Coach Glassman had someone else show up to class. And he was like, you're going to go against him in this workout right. and he was he's like i never heard that like it was always like you're working out but like we're actually competing against each other and i don't care who's in class with you i tell the story about the time i was dying in a workout and i looked across the room and there was 70 year old donna with pvc and i believe the workout ended with 10 thrusters and i picked up 115 and i was like i'm going unbroken because i want to beat donna and i didn't give a shit how old she was what her gender was, how much weight she was moving, but it made me pick up a bar and do 10 reps unbroken, which I would not have done by right. myself. Human beings are just like mildly better, more intelligent animals. If I put two horses next to each other, they're going to race, whether they know that they're where they're going or not, they're going to race. Right. Like that's just the way. And it yes. Works. I beat Donna. Gordon. I beat her. She yeah. broke up that BBC. I went unbroken. He actually, he actually killed Donna. Um, no, Donna actually just turned 80. She was one of my very first one-on-one clients. She's 80 years old, still doing, you know, just completely showing people like you're so wrong about CrossFit because Donna's 80. She's traveling the world, like living her best life. And I think most of that is because she does CrossFit. 
Well, what's interesting about that whole thing about just the introduction of the sport and competing and stuff is like, is like, you don't have to do anything else other than put people in a room together. You don't have to put more gasoline on the fire. You don't have to do any of that. You don't even have to talk about it. It simply exists and it will happen whether you like it or not. It's just the nature of human beings. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking said. about. Working out with others helps you work out harder. Right. And that's the beauty of it. Right. It's just like it's baked into the cake. The safety, it's baked into the cake because they're functional movements. The intensity, it's baked into the cake because I put a series of human beings in the room who are all doing the same thing. It's baked into the cake, which is what makes it so effective. We just need to make sure that we execute it appropriately from a coaching standpoint. Um, and, you know, and I can tell you th this in real life, it's, Right now, you know, in between homes, I'm bouncing around, just trying to squeeze workouts in. And then we go to when you were in town a couple of weeks ago, we filmed some dropping in episodes. And it's like, oh, this is so much more fun. I naturally just go a little harder than I would by myself. And the endorphins, the dopamine, like, yes, just exercising, going for a walk, you will release some. But I'm positive there's on a scientific level, it's so much different working out with other people, right? The best programming in the world, like we talked about with Ryan Fisher, right, right. on the podcast, has to have an X factor. And that X factor is you're enjoying it. And the truth is, in CrossFit, the, the workouts are somewhat insignificant, right? At the end of the day, it's like, I'm showing up, there's seven, 12, 15 other people here, and we're going to exercise. And because of that, I'm going to get fitter, and I'm going to have a better day, a better, you know, the best hour of my day. And it's going to lead to a better life. And I think that is what cannot be understated when it comes to CrossFit. Which kind of goes to where this last piece about adaptation, and then we can kind of wrap up the show, but like our commitment to evidence-based fitness, which he's, re he's referring to measurable, observable, repeatable, or the quantification of whatever you did that day, time, reps, distance, um, publicly posting performance data, co-developing our program in collaboration with other coaches and our open source charter in general have well positioned us to garner important lessons from our program to learn precisely and accurately. That is about the adaptations elicited by CrossFit programming. That's the beauty of the whole thing, right? It's just like the, that, that sent or that pair of two sentences or whatever that is, is like the adaptation comes by introducing broad spectrum of movements and modalities ramping up the intensity by putting human beings in another room and then by using movements that have high power output right and it drives whatever adaptation you would be looking for quite frankly it doesn't even matter like if you were doing those things you would largely start to have some degree of improvement in those things like if you couldn't throw you would be stronger and be able to throw you would you would fundamentally understand quarter extremity movement patterns and we would it would just be a little bit different coaching a little bit different cues put your feet here instead of here and now i want you to to rotate at the hips and then throw like the, it would all it would all bleed over what we have discovered is that crossfit increases work capacity across broad time and modal domains this is part of the definition of fitness this is a discovery of great uh of great importance and i think i think it's supposed to say importance and has come to motivate uh, our programming and refocus our efforts this far-reaching uh, increase in work capacity supports our initially stated aims of building broad general and inclusive fitness program it also explains the wide variety of sport demands met by crossfit as evidenced by our deep penetration among diverse sports 
and endeavors. We've come to see increased work capacity as the holy grail of performance improvement and all our common metrics like VO2, max lactate threshold, body composition, and even strength and flexibility as being correlates, derivatives even. We would not trade improvements in any other fitness metric for a decrease in work capacity. And I think that's important, right? So it's important about like, and it, that's also not to state that those other things have no value, right? VO2 max, lactate threshold, flexibility, they do have value. But now we're talking about to what aim do they have value and for who and what are they trying to achieve? Obviously, somebody who is needs more flexibility because you're specializing, that's different. The desired outcome is different, right? We're talking about the, the human being absent of any sort of specialty or sport. How would I create the most well-rounded human being, right? That's what we're and talking about. You talk about how we've ran through multiple lectures here. I mean, this goes to the fitness lecture. And by the way, if you're still here and you have questions for me and Fern, before we wrap up, please drop them in the comments. But in the fitness lecture, we're like, well, how much do I need of X or Y, meaning flexibility or strength or speed? And it's, hey, enough to increase work capacity across broad time and modal domains. And this goes to the point of, so many people in the CrossFit world immediately default to, well, I need to get stronger. Well, do you? Because you can't touch your toes. And I'm pretty sure if you were able to touch your toes, you'd be able to snatch more or do and your back you know. and your back wouldn't hurt, which would improve your sleep. <laughs> yeah. So like, like Christian says, we want to know what you can actually do. And, and really those things are, if, if it's, it's how much do you need? It's, a, it's, you need enough to improve your fitness and too many people focus on what they enjoy myself included for the record. I love squatting heavy. I do it once a week. I don't need to be squatting heavier. I need to be working on my muscle ups or I need to be working on running. There's a balance of, I enjoy this shit. So I do it, but also what's your end goal and the end goal of this program. We talk about the dose constantly, very functional movements and high intensity, the response or the adaptation is fitness work capacity across broad time and middle domains. And I, and I think you, you could have a couple of things that would be at odds here, right? So just kind of real quick devil's advocate because the short and sweet of that is, hey, we don't actually care what kind of training you do as long as it elicits the response of me getting better at all of these things. So kind of like the black box theory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep putting things in and all I really care about is the outcome. To some degree, I don't actually care what happens inside the box. And you, you have to be able to marry that with like this idea because we're human beings. We, we, we have this need or desire to quantify everything, right? Money, social media likes, the weight on the bar, you know, anything and everything. And going into like these other common metrics, if I, if I get hyper-focused on driving a particular metric, in many instances, I would do it at the expense of overall output, whatever the output might, might be, whether it's business output, a car, you know, human being, whatever. So you have to be able to kind of hold two thoughts at once, which is like, Hey, this quantification is important and I need to be able to measure it, to measure it. Right. Because that's actually what will allow me to focus on the right areas. And simultaneously, I don't want to focus too much on the inputs at a, at a micro level. I really just want to see what is the output, right? I know generally speaking what the inputs need to be, but if I focus too much in there, the output will not be what I was shooting for, 
right? And you see these people with these super elaborate programs and they're, just, they're not getting the outcome that they want. They're not getting the outcome. They want. It's like, well, you're hyper-focused on, you're, you're zoomed too far in, right? You're trying to drive a singular metric instead of just being like, what are, what are you deficient at? Let's, let's start there, right? And let's change that. And then let's reassess and let's put some, put some other inputs in there and just see what the output was. But our desire to understand what happens inside the box can be blinding sometimes. And that can be, if you're programming for your box, just be wary of that. Like you're not always going to figure out what happens inside the box, right? And to some degree, it doesn't matter. Just know what are the things that move the needle and then measure what happens when it comes out the other side. Yeah, we talk about that. Like really, we don't care what's happening inside, do we? No, it doesn't we matter. care about the results. No. Um, so... As Cody just said in the comments there, remember, this is a first show breaking down the level one manual. Gymnastics. Um, it's all gymnastics, Brandon. <laughs> make sure you're following our Instagram, best hour of their day. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel here. And we're going to continue to break. I mean, we went through two pages and it took an hour. So this is, we're going to finish this by 2030. This is going to take us 14 years, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're going to know this inside and out. Anything else we want to touch upon for these first few pages? No. If you guys have questions, you can send them to us during the show. You can send them to us before the show. Um, Cody can can kind of categorize or catalog all of those to make sure we get them addressed. But uh, this is going to be fun. And for everybody that's like, you're like, hey, man, I've been needing to deep dive into the, into the manual. You don't need to do that anymore. Just listen to the damn podcast. Subscribe, you turds. That's it. Subscribe. And uh, you're going you're, you're gonna to get learned. Uh, simply by listening. This real quick question for you, Fern. I don't know that we've talked about this too often. How did you find CrossFit back before you took your level one? My wife. She's like, "Hey, we're gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go try this thing out." That's and right. I was like, At Sherwood's like, box, right? Yep. And we rolled in there, and uh, that was it. Love it. And by the way, guys, speaking of Sherwood, we are going to have some guests on these live episodes breaking down some of these chapters with us. For example, you mentioned uh, Pat Barber earlier of the war warm up and workout. He's going to be helping us break down what is fitness parts one and two, when we get to it, as well as some of the other uh, OGs and legends of the CrossFit EDU department. And if you have any that you would love to see on the show, please let us know because Fern's Rolodex. Now that he's a flow master runs deep. It runs, and he actually has a Rolodex, which is. I was going to say, were you the one that brought me up about that? Be like, hey, what, like, stop using the term. And I'm like, it's a, it's a figure of speech. Nobody actually has a Rolodex. And, and even when I was young, Rolodexes were not a thing. I remember my aunt had a Rolodex on her, uh, on her desk. Bring this question up, Cody. What is it? Studying for my L3 is what CrossFit gives us to study enough, or should I also definitely jump in your program? Thank you for all the knowledge. Well, you should definitely learn from, I mean, you studied with us. It's basically cheating. Would you say, Fern? It's cheating. You show up to YouTube on Wednesdays, you're cheating. You're going to get all the information you need right here. Think of it like steroids. This is be performance-enhancing drugs for your level three That's, prep. <laughs> that is right. That is right. No, but you know, we're going to we're going to call this the PEDs of CrossFit and, and, information. <laughs> and, and I want to say this about the level three DT seven on our show. The people that pass the level three do study, but also are the ones that live in, and breathe CrossFit. 
right? Correct. It's when you it's when you start getting distracted by shiny objects and other things, and you you start looking at questions like through that lens versus this manual right here. Everything we just broke down. If you look at the questions, if you start to look at things through these lenses of CrossFit, you're going to be just fine when it comes to that test. All right. Fern, I know you got family in town, right? I do. I got to go see my, uh, the people that brought me into this world are at home babysitting my children right now. Um, I don't, are you, I don't know if you're still allowed to quote Bill Cosby, but I, I, I will anyway. At the sake of being canceled. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. And that was one of my favorite uh, Cosbyisms. But oh, uh, yeah, your dad's in dad town. Bernie definitely told me that. Yeah, and so go spend some time with your with your folks. By the way, if anybody um, was interested, it is Fern's birthday tomorrow. So so technically, it, so technically, it's not it's not my birthday. It will be my birthday. It, it will be your birthday in about eight hours, nine hours from now. So if you want to send Fern some love. Head over to his uh, social media at jfern3. Shoot him a birthday message tomorrow. And then the next day, follow up with a happy anniversary because it's his anniversary as well. So Fern, can, like like anything in life, he makes life easier. It consolidates. And he just, you know, make sure he doesn't miss things. Birthday, anniversary. Back to back. Right baby. on top back of to back. each other. Oh, we got Teffy. Teffy's watching, by the way. Look at that. Yeah. If you want to know how much of an idiot my, I am, my wife was like, listen, you have, you have to remember one number for our anniversary. And it's just the number one. <laughs> Sorry, anniversary yeah. is 11, hey, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little pressure, Teffy. If you're still listening, we're gonna have you hop on one of these shows and break down the manual with us. But and we're gonna do it in, in Spanish. Yeah, in Espanol, exactly. So Teffy, you heard it here. She's, she's um, does Teffy which region? She runs a region, right? I don't. As a uh, oh, as a regional rep, I don't know, Teffy. Yes, uh, Teffy, you're a regional a region? rep. She's a badass, long-time member. Me- it would be Boston Mexico. It would be Mexico if, if she does. That's but I don't know. racist, I believe. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway, we're going to wrap up before Ferg gets two races on this show. Country, Country manager, manager of, that's what of it Mexico. Is. Yeah. That's right. Hey, pull her, okay. pull her comment over there so people know who we're talking about here, uh, Cody. Yeah. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Right here. OG. She's fit, too. Beast. Yeah, I was going to say. She is fitter than us. So maybe we'll have her... We'll have her talk about one of the movements. We'll break those down. And um, this is great. I had a great time, Fern. I feel better prepared. I'm actually giving the What is CrossFit lecture this weekend, which, by the way, is my favorite lecture to give. You know what I'm going to tell you. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. All right, Cody. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. We appreciate you guys. See you next Wednesday live here. Best hour of their day.